In Texas, we only have two seasons, summer and winter. That's it. <laughs> it's the same time. That's it. That's how it goes. But I've found out, I lived in Scotland, their favorite thing to complain about is their weather. And they love it. It's like some sort of a badge of honor for them. But in Scotland, they take the cake. I mean, when we lived there, 40 days and 40 nights of rain. I'm not, no exaggeration. I was like, is there an ark somewhere? God, it proves that God had to break up the deep for the earth to flood because in Scotland it did not flood, but there was plenty of rain. It just rained. We lived in a three-story house because houses are built just straight up there because of land. It's an island, you know. So it's three stories where it's like compartmentalized. You know, you have your living room, your dining room, your kitchen on the first floor. Then you go up to the second floor. You have bedroom, bedroom, you know, and then you go up to the third floor and it's like in the pitch of the house and and the, there's windows. Our master bedroom was there was windows um, in the roof line. So you could open the windows up, you know, and had slate, tile, um, what they call shingles. So it's just cool. And we, you could look up out there. Well, we didn't know how to use the windows. And so you lock them, and they're locked, right? Well, we lived there for months, and we were like, these windows are terrible. I don't know how. This is a new house. How do they live with these windows? Because when the wind would blow, you'd hear, all the time. I was like, this is a terrible design. I mean, what is wrong with these people? I was just laying into Scottish builders. You know how terrible it was. There's a secondary little, there's a secondary little latch. One day I opened it and you like, you pull it a little tighter and you close it. Silence. So it was an operator error that for months we laid in our bed at night and we're like covering up our ears because all we heard was Yeah, it sounded like a pig. I mean, it was so anyway. As we get started this morning, who has a prayer request or praise report? Yep, back here. Do what? Two teeth. Oh, pulled. Let's pray. Remember to chew on the other side. We'll be praying. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's pray. Pray for that family. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Um, I ventured out to start my new remodel, my remodel business I used to have, and I yep. have a contract that's very lucrative. Mm-hmm. It's pending. I just need the board direction on it. That's right. Let's pray. Yes. All right. Oh, cool. That's good. Awesome. Good. Praise the Lord. Yeah. He's always good. <laughs> lost my job. Praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. We have, that's good. So, he have any idea when he might get set for parole? Uh-huh. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hey, you know, I always tell people what you're called to do, you're called to do wherever you're at. You know, you just wherever the Lord, you, you might find yourself, you know, incarcerated, but you're still called there. Yes. Yes. Your brother, your family. Yes, that's good. Praise the Lord. 
But it's still, you're good. Good. That's good. Let's pray. Oh, yeah. Do what? Whole property. We'll pray for the buyer. There's the right buyer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your goodness. We just welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this room right now. We pray, Father, that you would minister to every need, God. We pray for we pray for these teeth, Lord God, and the pain in these teeth. I just ask, Lord God, that the pain would subside even now in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for this family member who lost a child. We just ask your peace and comfort, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for those who are starting businesses, Lord. I pray that supernatural provision would come, Lord, that you would guide us and direct our steps, Lord. Be with us in everything that we do, Lord. Lead the way, Lord God. Let us hear your voice and follow your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I, wait, let me see. How many of y'all, you want to hear another poem? Okay, I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my poetry writing phase, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to publish them. I'm going to do a devotional. I'm going to publish them. I'm going to do something. So the Lord gives them to me. I just write them down. This is called The Work of Grace. I'm going to put my glasses on for this one. I didn't make it big enough. Okay, so much self-sourcing, so much toil. So much self-harm grows from the soil. Self is an enabler who keeps in this game, running round the old dung heap, same follows same. When self dies, so dies the source, with no legs to tromp down this old self course. Grown over it becomes, time takes its toll, no desire remains to take this old stroll. Self dies at the cross where Christ is risen in me. When Christ is risen, new I shall be. Detached from the old generations of sin, detached from the lame, the destroyed, and all that would not mend. New in the world, a new creation is made. New life, new day, new future, new name. The old is removed, circumcised from me. Yes, memory remains, but new pathways I'll see. Carved by each promise, I know them by name. Here I will muse, this I will speak, these I will claim. From self's hopeless call, now silenced by the grave, sin is removed, I no longer its slave. New voices of praise, new promise, rejoice, new words fill my mouth by his grace going forth. With peace as a God, I sojourn into each new day, living this new life, this new creation, his love is my stay. A builder I am, an oak of righteousness shall be, new generations, new legacy, new works grow from this tree. So, so, as we think about, I want to use that as a jumping off place, as dead to self, alive to Christ. Now, as we, as we look, I want us to turn to Isaiah 53 and 1. And the title today is Whose Report? Whose Report? This is a very familiar scripture, probably to all of us in here. Isaiah 53 is the messianic chapter of Jesus, the suffering servant, Isaiah 53 and 1, it says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? Now you can jump over to 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, probably another familiar scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20 says, I'm reading it from the ESV. I looked at several different ones, and I really like the way this translated it. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why it is through him we utter our amen to the glory of God. Now, where do all the promises of God find their yes? 
Now, isn't that interesting? Because we, it's in Christ. Every yes, every promise that has a yes attached to it is where? They find their yes in Christ. So where are all of your promises? They're in Christ. So if you're going to receive the promises that are in Christ, where are you going to have to be? In Christ. So then it goes on to say they find their yes in Christ, and that is why it is through him we utter our amen. What does amen mean? So be it. Everything that is in Christ, every promise, what does God say? He says yes. And what do I say? So be it. Now, where's those promises at? I, I, I need y'all to get you. I need you to really sit there in Christ. Now, how many of you have ever observed looking at the lives of other people, not your own, of course, this is not being you, that maybe there are some promises that remain and the life that's lived before you is not actually the life of victory that you think there should be in Christ? Maybe that has been your experience. So we're going to bring this whole thing into the reality of who has believed our report. Who has believed our report? Now, if God's report is all the promises are yes in Christ, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. If the report of Christ is you are saved, delivered, and healed... Then let God be true and let every man be a liar. Yes, but Andrew, you don't know my circumstance. I said let God be true. Let every man be a liar. Well, my circumstance is this and this and that and that. Again, let God be true. Let every man be a liar. I mean, look at, when's the last time you looked at a lying circumstance? And you said let God be true. Let every man be a liar. You say, well, that's easier said than done. It may be easier said than done, but if we refer back to the poem, see, there's old pathways. And as you begin to take hold of the promises of God that are what? Yes. They're yes. God says, can I have that? What does he say? Yes, in Christ. See, most of our problems are not that they're not yes in Christ, but we don't want to surrender self, and we want to be yes in self. Because we still want to hang on to this old self-life. We're so attached to it. It's just all we know. So it's his report today versus my report. My eyes are watering. His report versus my report. Well, what do you have to report today? Tell me your report. Now, I know in here you're going to give me the report that I want to hear. Right? But I wonder, what has your report been being of late? What's that newsletter look like? What did that um, anchorman say? The life and times of Andrea Sand. What's your report? What do we have to report on Dolores today? What's her report? What do you report about yourself? What news do you declare about yourself? Well, I just tell about my circumstances. Those are the facts. Well, the reality is, is 
facts may be facts, but facts are not always truth. So this is, this is what we're talking about today. If you're going to be a person who's always led by your circumstance, then circumstance is declaring what your level of victory will be, and you actually are just a feather in the wind of circumstance. So all the promises of God are yes. They're just over here, just in this big vat of yes. They're just a yes, and that would be yes, and that would be yes, and that would be yes. And you're over here walking incongruently into every other report in yourself and believing every live circumstance. You, you know, you're at your job and your managers, this, that, and the other. I don't know. Have y'all ever had jobs like that? Yeah, I mean, I tell people all the time that surely, read Daniel, the sixth chapter, surely your co-workers couldn't be as bad as Daniel's. They were wizards and warlocks and necromancers, and they were always trying to get him killed. Is that your workplace? I mean, they literally, they were trying to kill him. You're like, well, that's, and that's under old covenant, y'all. You're like, yeah, I'm glad we don't have to live like that. Now the promises of the new covenant, they're better. Because now the full revelation of Christ is revealed. So what I'm telling you is we all want to be doing what God is prospering. But God wants you to lay hold of something and make it prosper. Am I going to have to give you a scripture for that? Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water who gives forth his fruit in every season. His leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Why? Because he's in Christ. That's the river. See, proximity determines my level of victory. Proximity determines my level of victory. I know how close that person is living in Christ by the level of victory they're walking in in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's you are called to release the kingdom. To just release the kingdom of God. Now, you're, I know, I know how easy that sounds. And I know how difficult that that is to do. Believe me, I've been there. I've been there. I worked at an insurance office and I walked in as the lowest level employee. You know, so what does that mean? I have no say, right? And so there was a, a girl that worked in there. She was around my age, but she had been there. She had seniority. She had this. She had that, whatever. And she loved to listen to heavy metal thrashing music at the office. I hated it. You know what I mean? That stuff will make you angry. It just does. It's just, I mean, it just makes you angry. I mean, how many of you want to do your work all day to... That's all it sounds like. I couldn't take it. I literally wanted to break the radio in half. I wanted to go to her and just go, I don't want to listen to that music. That's offensive to me. You know what I mean? But I knew. I thought, that's not going to do any good, is it? It's just not going to do any good. Now, did I have a right to say that? Did I have a right to go and do something? But what was I going to ultimately do? Make enemies, right? I just was. So I said, Lord, 
I'm going to have to release the kingdom here. So I did. I sat at my desk and I said, I take authority over, I didn't do it loud. I don't have to. I said, I take authority over every demonic spirit of darkness in this place in the name of Jesus. I release the kingdom of God. I speak peace. I speak joy. I speak every, the kingdom. And you know what? I did all that. It wasn't 15 minutes later. True story as God is my witness. Lori walked into that room where that radio was at. She goes, hey, Andrea, do you mind if I turn this off? It is starting to bother me. True story. I said, no, go right ahead. She just turned it off. Never turned it on again. To this day, Lori serves the Lord. I didn't, you know, I, I, did, I didn't even, do, see, I didn't even witness to her anything. You know what she did? She came to me and she said, so what's the deal with you? What deal you mean? Like you're different. You know, and you're, she knew my cousin. Your cousin's different. What's the deal? She was Catholic. And I said, well, we just, you know, just the Lord came into our heart and just changes our life. It just changes the whole climate of who we are. And she said, well, I pray to the saints. I said, you do? What do you mean? I was like, I was like what do you mean? She said, like, if I need, if I need um, protection, you know, my car, I have a St. Christopher medal. She said, I pray to St. Christopher for protection. I went, well, I pray for protection too, but I don't know the St. Christopher. <laughs> I said, I just talked to Jesus. I said, he's the main line. I said, I don't need any mediators going between me. I said, I just talked to Jesus. And she's like, what? You can do that. So see, you, you have the kingdom. You're called just to release kingdom. I mean, I have, I have other stories just like that. I was sitting at a restaurant with my family. My family, you know, when you're the white sheep of the family, you're sometimes the black sheep of the family. You know what I mean? And so, I, you know, we're at a table, and it's Christmas, and my brother's mad at me because, you know, they're all there, and they're all drinking. I don't drink. It just make them mad. Every time I show up and I don't drink, it just, my family, oh, you think you're better than us. I just think I'm not a drinker. You know, what? what does it matter? If I didn't eat sugar, why, that wouldn't bother you, would it? If I said, I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat meat, would that bother you? Would you be all offended like I'm somehow rubbing your nose in something? But I say, but when I say I don't, when they know I don't drink, it just... I, I don't know what I'm... I mean, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're cool, cool. Right? And so they're there, and then I mean, it's just... And then my whole family's on this end of the table. You're, Mike, you're my witness here. Whole end of the table. My new son-in-law, Mike at the time, was a new son-in-law. He's like, oh. You know when you walk into those places, the energy's bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the feeling in the room is like, whoa. This is supposed to be Christmas. Why did we? He said, Mike turned to me. He said, we drove two hours to get there. He said, why did we even come here? I said, I don't know. He said, he looked at me. He's new. He's even new to the Lord. He's new in the family. And he said, oh. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? I just looked at him. I went, hang on. I bowed my head like that at the end of the table, just quietly. And I said, I rebuke every foul spirit of division and torment in the name of Jesus. I command you to stop now and leave. I raised up my eyes. And my brother at the end of the table went, hey, Andrea, 
don't y'all come down here? Y'all drove all this way. Y'all need to move. Hey, guys, move, move. Let them come up here and sit with us. And my, my son-in-law, Mike, he went. <laughs> I looked at him and I went. I did. It's kingdom. It's kingdom. All the promises of God are. And in him. I say, what did I do that day? I just said, those are my promises. And they're already a yes. So what did I do? I just became the amen. I just offered the so be it. See, you think that this is all going to happen without your participation. You fell and hit your little head. That's right. This is, and this is un- understand. This comes through a revelation of the power that is at work within you and around you. And there is a warfare going on. It's just not going to happen just because you look pretty or you need it to or you're p- or pitiful enough. You're going to have to step into the void and you're going to have to engage in the process. I have another one. I worked in an oil field company. How many of you know oil field truckers cuss? I know, y'all, y'all. I had my office and there was this little, I had this little antique pew in there, which was funny. It was, it was really a school desk. Everybody called it a pew. It was a little folded up little antique because it was a tiny little office. And right behind my desk was a cross. So they come in there and sit down, and they're like, this is the first time I've been in church. (laughs) And so they would sit down. But I had one. Now, most all of them, the younger ones were very, very respectful. And it wasn't long if they weren't respectful, they learned respect. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. (laughs) Anyway, I won't go into that. But there was a boss, Monty. He would kind of, old man, words overall, gushed and loved, loved, he knew who I was. He loved to jab and he loved to, you know, just to mess with it a little bit. He'd come in there and sit down and he would start cussing, he'd use off color, tell dirty jokes and things, just little, you know, just trying to be, just trying to get a rise out of, trying to make me uncomfortable. And I would just, I don't have to do anything. I just said, Bind you, Satan. Just like that. He wouldn't even hear me. And he would go, well, he would try to cuss and fumble over his words. He'd get so uncomfortable, he'd start twisting around and moving. He'd say, well, I guess I'm going to go. And I'd go, I won again. I mean, that's how, see, that's how you shift the, I mean, how many of you knew you could shift atmosphere? I mean, I interview for a job, and I'm like, they'll ask me, you know, can you do this? I say, I don't have the skills for it right now, but I have the one who has this. I mean, you want me working for you. I have heaven on my side. I mean, many of you, you're going out to get jobs, and you're trying to get it in your own strength. You'd be better off if you walked in going, you're going to want me in this place, because when I come in, I bring all the kingdom with me. They may think you're a nut, but then they'll hire you. They will. Walk in. I mean, how many of you, it would change your life if you walked around knowing that in him you've already got the yes. And all he's waiting on is you to be the amen. So be, somebody be the so be it to the amen. That's what we're doing. Whose report though? Whose report will you believe? What informs your report? Is it circumstance? Does circumstance inform, inform your report? We were grasshoppers in our side. 
That's what numbers, that's what they said. The spies went in, they said, we were grasshoppers in our sight. But Joshua and Caleb had a different report. They said, that may be a fact, but when I see the giants, they said, there are bread. That's a lot of bread. They saw the problem through the lens of the kingdom, though the kingdom wasn't fully manifested because this is under an old covenant. Now we have, see, better promises, Hebrews says, better revelation. We have more of the revelation that has been accomplished in Christ. And they said, we have this covenant that says that God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And Joshua and Caleb said they had a different spirit. A different spirit. I want to ask the question today, what spirit is informing your report? What spirit? I hope it is. I hope it is. But what spirits can inform your report? A demonic spirit? Which, yes, all would be spirits of darkness. All? That's a, and how do you know that those are? How do you know that those are dark spirits? And we don't like to use the word demon, I think. Sometimes it makes us a little skittish. You know, we'll call it, how about unclean? Y'all like that better? An unclean spirit. An unclean spirit. Now, you see, the people in the biblical days, they didn't struggle as much with unclean spirits as we do in the sense that they didn't, they didn't just relegate them to somewhere in the psychological realm. You know what I'm talking about? So when Jesus, and, you know, people, I mean, how many of you, you bring, you bring your kid. I, we don't ever have people coming to bring a sick child to the altar going, my child is tormented with a demon. Because, see, we're real clean, aren't we? Like our language, our, our mindset. We're very therapeutic. Right? So we like to let people hide. We like to let different things hide behind therapeutic diagnoses. It's very clean. You know what I'm talking about here? And so with Jesus, it wasn't that way. How many of y'all notice that in the Bible? You know, you read that all the time. There's unclean spirits. People are bringing them. My daughter is tormented by a spirit. And he would rebuke the spirit. Now, some of you may say, this creeps me out. Well, there's, there's two kinds of people in the world that C.S. Lewis are very dangerous. Those who think of the devil too often and those who don't think at all. So the overly aware and the underly aware. You know, I know that many people, they see a demon in everything. And I don't, I don't, I'm not voting for that at all. But nor am I wanting you to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And so you may find in your life that you're entertaining an unclean spirit. This will be fun for you. Hosting the unholy. Yeah. 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 Oh, you go above it. Right. Exactly. Do some. Yeah, don't get on the same level of combat. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of us talk about the 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And you keep on pressing in, pressing in. This is not, I mean, you tell the devil to take up their weapons, take up the kingdom of darkness, take up your weapons and flee. Yes. Sure, of course, of course. Every, do you think that you walk through this world um, with being having the Holy Spirit in you, I mean, I'm not talking about demon. I'm talking about being demon possessed, where you're like, I see. We we have so many different layers of this. I'm demon possessed, you know, not totally under control, but every 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 place in your flesh that has not been subjugated by the cross, I'll put it this way, is open game for the kingdom of darkness. So what, what does that mean? Some of that may scare you. You may think, that's scary. It shouldn't be scary at all. This, shouldn't be, this should be the most empowering thing in the world. Every area of your flesh that has not been in your understanding, I'll add that word, in your understanding subjugated to the cross, to the completed work of Christ, is fair game for the kingdom of darkness. Yes. Yes. Influencing. Yes. 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 Yes, he's building system. He's influencing because we have to understand this. The devil cannot build anything on this earth without what? A person, a person. What skyscraper has the devil ever built? I'm not saying skyscrapers are wrong. I'm just saying that there's things in this earth. What, what thing has ever been accomplished? What, okay, what um, prostitution ring has the devil ever built? He hasn't done it. He has influenced those people to begin to agree with him and do this. And you're like, well, yeah, I'd never do. I'd never. That's terrible. I see the darkness in that. But we don't see the darkness in our own alienated mind when we're angry and we're frustrated and we're blaming God and we're when when we don't see that. That's just as much darkness. You're just not on this level, but you're still partnering with it because it appeases you. Uh-huh. Right. Right. You just recognize it and cast it out and don't obey it. Now here, I've got, I'll give you an example in my own life. I think this is the easiest way to do it. When I was first, we were first married and we were coming into the kingdom. Now, you know, I've told you enough of my story that you know that I came from a violent home 
where my father was violent. He was not abusive to me, but he was abusive to my mother. A violent home where drugs and alcohol. And so that was, I was raised to fight. I mean, I was raised, my dad's statement every day to me was, Andrea, don't give no crap. He didn't say that, but that's my G-rated version. That's as G-rated as I can get. But never take any. And if it has to go either way, you give it, but you never take it. And if you must do one, you can always give it, but you never take it. So I was just raised to fight. You see what I mean? I didn't come home and say, I got in a fight and expect somebody to run. It would be like, what did you do about it? Go take care of it. That's just how I was raised because I lived in a home of violence, right? And now it wouldn't take much imagination to know that that made me an angry person, right? So anger was my first overarching experience because that's the, that was my heritage, that was my history, and my father, through my raising, that had developed my habits in my life. So that's all I knew. But it did not please God. That wasn't a behavior that was in Christ, was it? Though Christ was in me, the Holy Spirit was in me, I still had these remnants of this old life that was still lingering around, and I could easily get mad. I could easily get, you know, just go off on somebody. That was still I still knew how to take that path it was so easy to me it was just like you know just putting a pencil in my right hand and writing my name it was just that easy for me so I'm at my house I'm 19 years old 20 and something made me mad and I handled it my own way anger rose up I walked by my curtains in my own house this is how I was trained to do it. it's what my dad did and I ripped the curtain off the wall and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he, I mean sternly, said, that does not glorify me. Stop. I, I was like, pretty much. I mean, that stern of a rebuke from the Holy Spirit, I went, I'm sorry, I won't. But something interesting about the Lord happened. When he spoke, he released the grace that empowered it. I didn't struggle. There. Now, I, it was always. Now, the next time I had an opportunity to get mad, was that still available to me? Why, certainly. Could I have just pushed past grace and done it? Absolutely. But see, something had shifted in me. And the cross... The in Christ dimension of who I am had taken a step outside and pushed more of that old knowledge out and replaced it with new knowledge. And it wasn't just new knowledge, it was revelation and it was empowered revelation. Now my behavior had changed because a new report had come in. And now what was that anger? What spirit was that? Well, it was part of my human spirit. It was my human spirit, my human humanity being empowered and influenced by the demonic. That found its opportunity through the circumstance. And that is how I manifested the kingdom of darkness. What was the manifestation of the kingdom of darkness? And how did it manifest? I ripped the curtain off the wall. Huh. I manifested darkness with my actions. 
How many of you want to manifest darkness? Raise your hand. Wave it for me. I don't see it happening. See, you don't want, see, this is what I know. This is what I know about you. You don't want to do it. You just don't have the revelation of how to stop it. That's what I'm bringing you today. Is I'm bringing you, and here it is, and I'm going to show you in the Old Covenant. I think this is a great example. We won't have time to go there. Read Exodus, you'll find it. When the children of Israel, after they left Egyptian bondage, Mike, you've done such a great job of showing passing through the Red Sea. The only thing left to do is what? Just, I mean, old day, it's gone. See, that's how we have to see our born-again experience. There's nothing, I can't get back. If I wanted to go back to Egypt, I couldn't. I mean, you've got to have that type of a, a black and white experience in your mind. You've got to anchor your faith to that. Because if you always think that you've got this trail back through the Red Sea, back to Egypt, in your, your belief system, you'll always be making that road. Your faith is more in the power of Pharaoh than it is in the power of God. When the, when the Red Sea closed... How are they going to get back to Egypt? It, was, it, was a, it, just, it didn't make sense anymore, did it? That's what salvation is. Whenever you are baptized, when you're baptized through that Red Sea, that, the world, Egypt is closed off to you. So the children of Israel, but see the children of Israel, though they had been slaves in Egypt, and now they were free and a nation was being birthed, what was still resident inside of them? Slavery. They were, still, they were free, but the slavery mentality was still inside. When you came to the kingdom of God, you're the same way. You're free. The blood of Jesus has freed you. Tamara, you're free, but the slavery mentality just still dominates. And the slavery mentality, the kingdom of darkness, runs right through it, runs amok, destroys this relationship, destroys that relationship, destroys that job, brings you back, always just destroying, and you're like, Whoa! Okay, so the first stop. We're going to get the slavery out now. We got you out of slavery. Now we got to get slavery out of you. So the first stop was Mara. Bitterness. You know, they came to the waters of Mara. Ah, these waters are bitter. God hates me. Nobody likes me. I'm going to eat a worm. But God's merciful. I said, why didn't call me to be God? I'm not merciful enough. His mercies are new every morning. Mine are new every 30th day. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. You're like, Andrew, you're giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so his are new every morning. That's why he's in charge of this show and I am not. And so they, they come to the waters of Mara. You know, where Andrea would have drowned them in there because I just brought you through the Red Sea and now you're going to gripe at me because the water's not drinkable? Come on, use the powers of the deduction, morons. Yeah. But I'm like, but see, God, there again, God's not me. Aren't you glad? He's not me. He's like, Moses, look over there beside you. Yeah, what do you see? The stick. There's a, a piece of wood. See, God's a teacher. There's a piece of wood. Take the piece of wood, Moses, and throw it in the water. What's that going to do? Just do it. Throw the wood in the water. In the bitterness, throw the wood in the bitterness, throw the wood in. Oh, the wood healed the bitterness. Now the water's drinkable. First object lesson. We take the cross and we put it into the bitterness and the cross heals everything. 
Oh, you think they got it on that first show? No. And do you know? See, we get you out of slavery, just can't get the slavery out of you because you're believing the wrong report. You're still thinking like a slave in Egypt. Slavery's still whispering in your ear. The, you know, all the messages of slavery and bondage are still just speaking that language to you. Nobody likes you. They're never going to quit. This circumstance won't change. I don't know. Just fill in the blanks. You know what they are. And instead, you never turn the frequency of that off. You never go... Dad gum, this is I'm like a radio and that's my receptor, but I could change the station. I mean, it's like you're watching the same program over and over and you hate it. And you I'm like, you know, like the kid every day is eating lunch with his best friend. He's like, peanut butter and jelly, Monday, peanut butter and jelly, Tuesday, peanut butter and jelly, Wednesday, peanut butter and jelly. I hate peanut butter and jelly, his friend said. Why don't you tell your mom to make something different? He said, my mom, I make my lunch. (laughs) Change. Whose report will you believe? Some of you have never even turned into the frequency of the yes report. You can't say amen because you never even dialed into yes in Christ. That's a yes in Christ. Well, well, you don't have enough money to make it through. Well, there's a yes in Christ. And all of my life is in obedience to him. I've already prepared for this day. See, most of you, many of you, some of you, some people you know somewhere, sometimes people, they... How did I hear it said? Let me think just a second. Your consistency is what's preparing you to steward your suddenly. Your consistency is what is preparing you to steward your suddenly. See, all through the word of God, what say, and suddenly, and you're like, whoa, I like that, and everything changed, and then suddenly, and everything changed, and suddenly there was an earthquake, and suddenly the Spirit of God showed, and suddenly there was a whale that appeared in there, and suddenly, God loves suddenlies, but the problem, he's still into the suddenly business. But we don't have the consistency to steward the suddenly. You know what I'm saying? It's like our walk's like, you know, out for six months. And for two days. I mean, it's like, well, when you were out for six months, there was a suddenly, but your, your chronos and your kairos can't get synced up. Your chronos, you, keep, you don't keep putting one foot in front of the other. So when I got this plan for you to have a suddenly there, you, hadn't, you can't suddenly, you can't steward it your suddenly. I know he's like, I say this all the time to people, you must be present to win. So if you want to win, what do you got to do? Ah, geniuses, you must be present to win. Then be present because your consistency will steward your suddenly. I don't know how long. How long do I got to be consistent? I don't know. Until you quit worrying about consistency. Until you start. No. How long do I have to be consistent? Until you stop worrying about your suddenly. Because as long as you're still worrying about your suddenly and you're only being consistent to get your suddenly, you're still working in this exchange, trying to, you know, manipulate God. He's smarter than that. It's still just your flesh. Just, just die. Just die. Golly. Come and die. We need to, you know, the old song, come and die and the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. Who fed the multitudes, turn the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. I'm going to change the words. Come and die, the master calleth, come and die. 
You're like, that's not going to get as good of a response as it. <laughs> but it's the truth. That just on the other side of your death is his life. Yeah, well, you know, I die, he's talking about there, I die daily. He's talking about the, if you read that in context. Well, we, we sort of do die daily. We die to the reality that we die in the fact that we consider ourselves dead. I mean, we're not always resurrected and dying. and That would be weird, wouldn't it? Oh, I'm alive. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, I'm alive. Oh, I'm dead. I mean, I mean, you know, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, you're a creep. <laughs> At least a freak. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, so the dying daily, the dying daily is coming in the reality that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I that live, but the life that I now live, I live by the faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Oh, I'm alive. How did you get alive? Well, it's, I died. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, every day, I just count myself dead. I just keep counting myself dead. And I just shift atmosphere everywhere I go. Why? Because I've got this new life. See, this is, it's not so much that you lack anything except for your understanding. I just threw the cross into Mara. And he changed, he healed the, he healed the water. That's just who he is. He's Jehovah Rapha. That's where, you, that's where we find the name Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, our healer. What did he do with your bitterness? Oh, he healed that. How did he heal it? Well, I died to it, and then I resurrected not bitter. How did you do that? Turns out he's not bitter, and his life is in me now. <laughs> you know, this is how you get over addiction. Addiction's so easy. It's stupid. It's stupid easy. And when your old addicted man dies, you'll get up without addiction. Pornography? Oh, come on. Do you think Jesus looks at pornography? I'm talking here. 60% of males are hooked on pornography. I can do statistical math. You think Jesus is? That's just fellowship, your fellowship with demons. It's just demonic fellowship. If you want to fellowship with demons, carry on. But what does the thief come to do? You're like, okay, but you haven't told me anything how to get out of it. Oh, I forgot, die. I just read the poem. I just read the poem. When that old man goes, pornography goes too. You resurrect with Jesus' eyes. All of a sudden, you resurrect with his values. All of a sudden, you start looking at women as your sisters in Christ instead of some object to be lusted, lusted after. If Jesus doesn't look at women that way, you don't look at women that way. How did you get that? I, I resurrected with it. Y'all thought this was going to be comfortable. No, no. You see, I'm going to get right up where you live. Because this is the world we live in. I'm telling you the way, the way to victory. And it's through... Too many people are just going to the cross. This is what they do. They're invited to come to the cross and die. See, when you stop looking at death as the threat and the invitation, you'll get this message. You'll have heard the gospel for the first time. Death is not the threat. It's the invitation. 
If you're trying to get rid, it's like this. If you go to the doctor, the oncologist, and he tells you you have cancer, what do you want him to do to that tumor? Kill it! When you see your life as that tumor, you'll come to the cross and go, kill it! And now we have a surrender going on now, buddy, all day long. Now you want to talk about victory. That's what Jesus is looking for. He's not looking to fix up your old sad sack self. He's looking to put that sucker in the grave and put his new life in you, the life with his eyes and his mind and his heart and his hands and his feet and his passions and his compassions and his victories. They're all in him. What are they, where's it at? Yes. So you're trying to get to the yes without actually coming. You come to the cross many times. I see it all the time in church. I've been doing this thing a long time. You keep coming to the cross, but you're not going through the cross. When you come through the cross, you'll walk different. You'll talk different. You'll you'll think different. You won't even recognize yourself. You'll look in the mirror and go, you are good looking. I mean, many people, what they do, they come across and they don't die. What they do, they just faint. They faint for a while. They just keep fainting. They just fainted there for a while. How do I know they fainted? Because they got up. Their old life just got up again. They started doing old life stuff. Didn't work. You didn't die. You just fainted. The imitation is dying, not fainting. See, you thought take up your cross and follow you was some sort of a payment of suffering you had to make. That's the freaking invitation. Take up your cross is my affiliation with all that he's done. Gladly, give me that cross. Give me everything that cross has. Give me the new life. What's the expense? Your old life. That's it. You just got to, you got to die at the cross. What does die look like? It means surrender everything that you have to the cross. Your past, your present, your future, all of it. You see, as long as that old man is still alive, you'll know because your history and your heritage will keep calling to you. Hey, come back and party with me. Hey, do the stuff you used to do. Your old friends, they were fun. You know they were fun. You remember how y'all felt that time? Y'all played quarters all night? Maybe that's something of the 90s. I don't know. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. I don't know what's cool anymore. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. What, what, I don't know. What is it? I don't know what, you, I don't know what they do now. So you remember, you remember how we had such fun? You know, never mind. You vomited in the floor. It was fun, wasn't it? And you call, oh, yeah, it was fun. Who's talking? What spirit's that talking to you? Of course it is. Call him from your history. Come on back. Come on. Come on. One more time. One more time. What's it going to matter? What's it going to matter? One more time. Let's just keep going. But you know what's going to happen? One time the grace is going to be off of it. It's going to be ixnay on the open stay. What did I just say? It's over, stupid. You say, Andrew, that's too tough. I want it to be tough. I want this to cut you down to every, if there's something that it can cut, I'm going after it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And they no longer come knocking on your door. See, that's not, that's not that you're dying more and more. That's not what that is. Because you're dead at the cross. You're dead. But what it is, see, it's your understanding. It's applying the cross to those areas of your life that need to be reconciled to redemption. And, you know, and there is now, you know, we're Pentecostal. We believe in the second work of grace. What's that? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where you are literally baptized in the Spirit of God. As in, Jesus said, there's a baptism I wish to give you, and it's, and it's a baptism of fire. What's the purpose of fire? There's several. To purify. To purify, what else? To refine, that's purification. To purify, what else is the? To carterize against, that's good, okay. Carterize, what else? Purpose of fire. You know what, come on. To warm, so there's an advantage to fire. What else? Now, we don't use it this way because this is, we're not in the first world or not, we're not in, we're not in ancient times. Illuminate. Light. It's a light. So, see, we have, so when you're baptized in fire, you're baptized in illumination. Now you have access to revelation. You don't have to walk around so dumb all the time. That's your choice. Just because you don't know. I mean, I say that dumb, I don't mean, I mean, I mean I'm just really telling you that it's just that you've shut yourself off to knowledge. And you can't know what you don't know. But the Lord will show you. So you have revelation. But also you have purification. There's a fire baptism that you need. The Bible says be continually. Do not be filled with wine. Wherein is excess. So what that means, they're filled, means controlled. Now you say, okay, so it's a sin to, not a sin to drink, it's a sin to get drunk. Well, we can argue that all day long. It depends on what your heart is and why you're wanting to stay affiliated with drinking. We can talk, I don't, I'm a teetotaler, I don't drink. Why don't I drink? Because I come from a household of alcoholics. And I wanted to set the precedent with my children and my, we don't drink, we don't drink. And my kids are like, and they'll say the same thing. Jacob's a youth pastor and kids are coming in. Why can't I drink? Got a kid who comes from an alcoholic family. He's like, it's not a sin to drink. It's a sin to get drunk. He said, so you've been sinning? Yeah, I just can't find the line. The Bible says also, and not to mention you're underage, the Bible says also abstain from the very appearance of evil. Is that going to bring you closer to God or not? Just asking for a friend. So, see, this is where I live on that. You know, do, you do you, boo-boo. But I'm telling you, it will keep you from the things of God. It will keep you connected to a lifestyle, especially if that lifestyle had, especially in your family, if in your family, alcohol was a problem for people. You're just flirting around with those generational curses. Just come on, I can manage, I can, okay, I don't want to talk about it. I am talking about it, but I don't want to. I will tell you, I will tell you this. We, we planted a church in Scotland. If you know anything about a Scotsman, and they don't just drink. They drink every day. They drink scotch all. It's, their, it's in their blood. They bleed scotch. The number one cause of death in Scotland is cirrhosis of the liver. And you know the average age of a person's liver becomes cirrhosis, cirrhotid, cirro whatever. Yeah, about, I think it's around 30. 
That's how long they've been drinking. They put it in the bottle. I mean, and so we're in a church culture, in a culture where they consider their scotch to be a cultural, a cultural thing. And as Americans, they're like, no, you don't. So we, Mike and I, we decided not to even mention it. You know, he just said, we're just going to bring people into the power of God and see what God does. That's all we did. And so we preached, people got saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They did all, we came, we sat in a room like this and they came around and gave their testimony. One after the other said, you know, since I've been coming to this church and I've asked Jesus in my heart, I used to go to the pub every night. They said, I don't even want to go now. Another one said, me too. I quit drinking, did you? Yeah. What happened? They died and a new man rose up. And Jesus just didn't care for scotch. You see what I'm saying? It was a new man. There's a new creation on the inside. I'm not trying to fix up your old creation. I'm not trying to add a little Jesus to your life. I'm trying to add some life to your death. I'm trying to actually convert your death into life so that you can live. So we listen to circumstance. We listen to heritage and history. And we're fixing to leave because, yep, it's time. We will. We'll talk about next week, maybe, if the Lord changes it. Facts about feelings. The facts about feelings. Oh, as the, yeah, they're great. Feelings are fine. They're fine, but they just don't let them lead. They start leading. Feelings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're poor. They're great servants, but poor masters, aren't they? <laughs> so we're dismissed. Thank you all so much. Happy dying. Huh? A week from tomorrow. We leave tomorrow and come back a week from tomorrow. Oh, I won't. It'll be somebody. Oh, Andy, are you teaching for me next week? Uh, uh, thank you. Don't you. You've been voluntold. That's how it works around here. I'm dying. I'm always dying. You're always well, you're not he's not changing. I'm ready to stuff him in the trunk. You have not surrendered. You want What you am want, I not surrendered? Well, you just gotta go with them who you want to change? I don't want to change anybody, but I want them to get it too. Because well, I'm can't make that happen. You've got to be. Can't make that happen, so I want to stuff them in the trunk. <clears throat> so what you have to do is you have to say, God, I just keep on living, but I'm doing it alone. So well, I thought like surrender that that the need that maybe they need to And so well, you got to say, Lord, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm willing to do that. If you you know, and he's just, where do I go? Well, then you don't have that, so you say it's okay where I'm at now. Just surrender in the place you're at now. Not in the place you want to be, because all you're going to do is create more problems. Because the trouble you know is better than the trouble you don't. I mean, you actually have a roof.